why Obi-Wan defended the Jawas on Tatooine. During his exile on Tatooine, Obi-Wan often repeated a promise to himself, one that he found harder and harder to stick to. He promised that he wouldn't interfere with the events on the planet. He had one goal, to protect Luke from the Empire and the boy's father, Darth Vader. If Obi-Wan ever interfered with the local thugs or Hut's operations, then he risked outing himself as a Jedi, and eventually that would draw the eye of Darth Vader. It would only take a few missteps for Vader to realize Obi-Wan was on this planet protecting someone. Obi-Wan couldn't allow it. No matter how difficult and painful it was to watch the innocents of Tatooine bullied, beaten, and killed by ruffians, Obi-Wan mostly stuck to his oath. But then why did he break his promise to defend a group of Jawas? That's today's story. It's been a year since the worst drought the planet had seen. Obi-Wan himself had gotten caught up in the fight back against the planet's criminal overlords, raising some suspicion. He tried his best to maintain a low profile in the months since. Luckily, his identity still hadn't been revealed to the thief of the People's Water and Crime Lord, Jabba the Hutt, who had been running the planet on a steady diet of fear and power. Obi-Wan had to avoid crowded places. This meant no return to Mos Eisley, which was difficult. He would miss the ease of shopping at the town square. Instead, he started a relationship with Jawas, the four-foot-tall junk traders of the planet. Meeting them at their gargantuan sandcrawler, Obi-Wan made comfortable acquaintances with the junkers as the day turned to night in the lonely desert. Despite their scavenging reputation, they were actually quite harmless people. Unfortunately, they were the subject of harassment and regular raids, which were attacks they couldn't protect themselves from. Often, it was the Tusken Raiders who preyed on the smaller Jawas. Obi-Wan knew it wasn't exactly something his former master, Qui-Gon Jinn, would be expecting him to help out with. Kenobi meditated in the soon-to-be ice-cold desert. He wasn't quite sure if he should do anything, if he should help the Jawas against the Sand People. But Obi-Wan didn't have much time to consider his choices. The Sand People arrived to take advantage of the Jawas and Obi-Wan got the jump on them. The former Jedi Master easily dispatched the swarm by using one of their own gaffy sticks against them. Though winning, Kenobi couldn't help but feel disappointed. He knew that by doing this, even though it was helpful to a helpless Jawa tribe, he was straying away from his sole mission to protect Luke from afar. If anything bad happened to Luke, he would never forgive himself. While not a difficult fight, it took all night. As morning broke, the Jawas cheered and hollered at Kenobi's triumph. It was a harsh desert out there. And just as the Tusken Raiders left over the dunes, so did Obi-Wan, dragging his barely aging body across the sand. He found it hard to garner joy out of the situation with the guilt of his mission and past Jedi life constantly overriding his emotions. Even though he decided not to use his lightsaber for fears of being found out, the tiny amount of solace he took from the fight was that he felt, if just for a fleeting moment, like a Jedi again. The next day, the Jawas went to sell their wares to local farmers, a routinely scheduled sales trip. Massive chunks of metal, spacecraft parts, beheaded Imperial ATSTs and more flooded the desert floor outside the home of Owen and Beru, Luke Skywalker's guardians. While Owen contemplated whether to purchase an astromech service droid, Luke's head was firmly planted in the clouds, 
inspecting large starfighter machinery. He was approached by the barterers. Without saying much and to Luke's confusion, the Jawas dropped a box of shining tools in front of him. Not understanding their importance, Luke demanded to know what has just been left. But he quickly realized they were parts, for his Skyhopper T-16 recently crashed in an exciting dash through Beggar's Canyon. Even though Owen had forbidden Luke from ever flying the craft again, the young farm boy excitedly thanked his uncle for the mysteriously delivered box. Owen, still bartering with the Jawas, was incredibly confused and half-heartedly requested Luke come back with whatever box he had just been given. As his uncle let Luke go, there was someone watching over the boy from the shadows. Kenobi was there. Behind some more junk, he gladly looked on as the boy he swore to protect became incredibly happy. The allegiance with the Jawas had worked both ways. Just as Kenobi had helped the tribe out, so did the tribe. He might have been going through a personal drought of motivation and happiness, but a long, dormant smile was back on the face of Obi-Wan that day. Obi-Wan had been living this life in exile for a long time, and it would only get longer. His regular communications through the Force with Qui-Gon could only provide him with so much solace and company. So helping the innocence of Tatooine and Luke in the subtlest ways possible was a big boost for the former Jedi Master. Kenobi would help Luke more and more in the years to come, until the day the Empire showed up at the boy's front door and his life was changed forever.